You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. and easy have some fun with it tonight also because really this is a hard one for me to be prepping for not because i want to shit all over something that something that people like kind of thing so much as i'm i'm legitimately curious how long this conversation will be because i'm wondering just how much can be said about modern godzilla movies but we're about to see because we've got vince and ali with us tonight and we're going to be talking about the new Western version, the Godzilla King of Monsters, as well as Shin Godzilla, which came out in 2016. And that is more a traditional, I don't even think that I would say that, but we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, Japanese take on Godzilla, and it is a, a reboot essentially for them as well. I watched both of these. <laughs> I, I watched the King of Monsters on Friday. Voluntarily. Yes. Well, I knew I had to because Ali suggested, well, more than suggested, damn near begged to do an episode of Popcorn Ronin on Godzilla after you guys had seen it. And so I figured, okay, well, I'll watch that. And then you, motherfucker, suggested I watch Shin Godzilla, which I legitimately thought was a prank at one point at about the 38-minute mark when I was watching it on Saturday night and gave, I couldn't even make it to 40 minutes. It was like, okay, that's 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 enough of that. And then I finished watching it yesterday. Um, so I have things to say about that one, especially more so than the other one. But again, we're going to keep it nice and loose. We'll start with you, Allie. And just to, just to demonstrate to people how big a fan of, a, of the Godzilla franchise you are, where do you place yourself in the, the fandom? Like, have you seen them all? Are you really invested when a new one comes out or it's just one of those hey these are fun to watch i'd honestly say uh i'm more of a generational fan um my mother was actually the one that got me into the godzilla films when the first godzilla film came out back in the 60s they used to have a feature called the million dollar film and basically they would show that same featured film once a day three or sorry three times a day for that first week my mother loved it so much, she watched it 21 times in the first week. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Suddenly, you're making a lot more sense to me. <laughs> so she was so into it. She really kind of instilled it into me and my sister. And um, with my father showing me all the Bruce Lee films, and my mom showing me all the kaiju stuff, it was it was kind of just a natural harmony. So even as a little girl, I was into a lot of the old Godzilla films, especially Mothra. Mothra is one of my all-time favorites. I will never get sick of it. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I am a diehard fan. So then you were pretty excited. I'm assuming they advertised Mothra in the King of the Monsters early on in the trailers. Honestly, I didn't watch them, so I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I have so much to say about that when we do discuss King of the Monsters, uh, but I really, I really, really love that they made a lot of tributes, Easter eggs, and homages to the original Mothra throughout the course of the movie. So I'm pretty excited. And Vince, where do you peg yourself? I know you're pretty high. I mean, I was the kid that grew up watching the Godzilla movies every Saturday morning. Like, after cartoons were over, the local channel would air a Godzilla movie at around, like, noon or so. So I watched a lot of it that way, as well as when the Sci-Fi Channel was filling their programming blocks every year or so, they would do a Godzilla marathon for a whole week. And so I got into a lot of the older films through that way, like the 60s and 70s versions of the films. Only to find out many years later that there was an entire other series released during the 90s and then a further series released during the 2000s that I had never seen. They got home video releases, but they didn't get licensed to TV. They, they were largely unknown to the mass public. So 
it was really interesting to me, like during the digital age, rediscovering these movies that as an adult and being able to look at them differently and seeing how very different the films were compared to the, like the sixties versions where after a point, Godzilla kind of became like a mascot slash superhero. Whereas in the later films, it regressed back into like the more monstrous role, which I appreciated more as an, an older viewer. So it was really cool for me to like rediscover these movies. So I've seen literally every Godzilla movie, all 24 of them, I think maybe more than that. It, it's a lot. Uh, and I, I revel at the opportunity to share them with people. <laughs> See, I, while I watched a lot of different Japanese movies of the time, they tended to be more of the samurai movies or the fight movies or whatever kind of thing. And, or I, we'd watch old westerns, the old man and I. But I didn't watch Godzilla growing up. So I have no, I shouldn't say no love, but it kind of is. There's no affection for the series at all for me. So it's, it's much more of, I'll sit down and watch it, of course. And if it's passably good, then, you know, I'll enjoy it for what it is. But there's no... And I will 100% agree low batting average on that front. Sorry, what? It, as much as I enjoy them, I would not classify many of the movies as good. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. But they, but they it, can be enjoyed as fans for, like, their camp value. Well, and, it, and not just for fans. Stuff. Not just for fans, that's the thing. Again, a lot of us, if we're just looking for some ridiculous, you know, romp or whatever we're willing to let go a lot of the stupidity behind it that simply does not make sense and just, you know, entertain us. If if I can still be entertained by a Transformers movie that is inherently bad, like objectively bad, it's not even open to opinion, Every we can all agree this is bad, then this can be the same thing. However, I, and it's funny because I have a lot of appreciation, again, for Japanese films and and foreign films as a whole too, and and yet I had a huge problem with Shin Godzilla. So we're going to start there, because as someone who is not tied to the franchise, I'm going into a film with certain expectations, and this delivered on next to none of those for me. And I I get what they were trying to do with the political stuff reflecting what recently happened with the, the bungled-up government shit. I get all that. But I found that it didn't even come across as a political thriller, but a political drama. Like, it was, point-blank for me, boring. Damn near all of it boring. And then the parts with Godzilla... I wasn't necessarily a fan of how that was portrayed either. So you had a lot. Got you, didn't they? What's that? The googly eyes got you, didn't they? Oh my god, that was horrible. Oh fuck, that was ridiculous. But that was far from the only issue that I had with the concept design of the the creature and whatnot. Like some of the and and I'm using air quotes special effects were impressive and good. Like when he's tearing through Tokyo and buildings are falling over, you're going okay. Well, you know, with the exception of this rubber thing. And I know that they even designed it to a certain degree to look like that as an homage to, you know, Godzilla's of the past. But it just, it, it, for me, because I don't have the fandom of youth to back it up, it really takes me out of it. And because, again, again, for me, because it felt so much more like a drama, a political drama, than a political thriller, the, the pacing was so slow, which again... If the same pacing had been applied to a samurai film, I would have said, you need to slow down a little bit, <laughs> you know, but this is a fucking Godzilla movie and I was falling asleep. So, so that was my take on Shin Godzilla. I think what I enjoyed and love so much about Godzilla is the earlier, the earlier renditions and iterations of Godzilla. It's kind of known amongst the fandom, amongst the culture that uh, he basically symbolizes you know, what happened post-World War II, post the bombs, post-war, and to actually see it kind of modernized to what it is today and to see that that 
potential could eventually happen again, even in the 21st century. I think that was what they were trying to go for. And they were really trying to show it on a deeper level, which is why the political drama part of it all wasn't necessarily a bad thing. We knew what Godzilla's creation and inception was for, but to kind of see it from a different perspective, I think that's what made so many diehard Godzilla fans enjoy and really appreciate what Shin Godzilla was. And they really did take a moment to to give little little minute details in just, again, the googly eyes Godzilla, which I was not a fan of either, but just the way they had certain effects with the cinematography, certain frames were very classic Godzilla-like, even down to the actual score of the movie. It, it just made so much tribute to what the original Godzilla was about and what it symbolized and meant. I think that was the reason why I know I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I think that's 100% most of the draw of the film is for people who have been following the franchise and respect what it meant at least initially again before the superhero icon era uh that it always had certain political meanings and seeing that come back to the forefront and for godzilla to actually like mean something again and not just godzilla like a lot of those japanese movies from the the 50s had that same sort of weight behind them and we even saw that you see that in animation. We talked about like Grave of the Fireflies was very similar where it was you cannot tell these stories without the historical aspects tempering them. And I really appreciated that they brought in a, a creator in Hideaki Anno who wanted to recapture, if not the look and the feel of the or, or not, like the, the, the screen feel of the original franchise have it deliver that same emotional impact that the original did 60 plus years ago or 50 plus years ago to a more modern audience. And I, I personally appreciated that. I saw what he was doing and I, I feel he succeeded in what he set out to do as a filmmaker. See, for me, I keep going back to the same idea that in much the same way as North American films have changed over time, you would expect Japanese films to change over time. And here we see some of that being reflected in terms of of the content, but not in terms of like things like the pacing and the 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 way that it's shot. Again, we view films differently now. Now I, I fully understand that I'm applying a North American standard or uh, uh, to, to my opinions of this and and I'm not the target audience I, I I get that but I feel that had it been presented in such a way that it was exciting you know that it wasn't boring boardrooms after boardrooms after offices after very muted conversations and I understand once again, a lot of that has to do with cultural differences between North American people and Japanese people, much more relaxed there than we are for some things. But when you've got this, what, 365 foot, whatever the fuck, the, how big this thing is, tearing through Tokyo, and not just Tokyo, but all the other places, and you, you are still that relaxed. And, and yes, I get that they were at times a little bit more agitated, but for me as an audience member, nowhere near enough. There wasn't, the pacing was so slow. And again, I get what they were trying to do, and had it been in another film, perhaps that could have worked. But for me as not a Godzilla fan, and watching this, and expecting something that would have, uh, to a certain degree, the presence and the the pace that was in King of Monsters, this was this was not just like hitting the brakes. This was you're hitting a brick wall, and and that was largely the thing that I had an issue with. I I think I think it was Anno's intent to have that pacing that way, and you see the parallel as to how again, as you mentioned, Japanese culture is very relaxed and very calculated. They kind of keep within their 
their strict regimen of sorts. But then you see the main protagonist, Yaguchi, and you see how he's getting frustrated and how he just keeps saying, why are we having more meetings for this? Why are we having, you know, another meeting uh, to discuss a, a future forthcoming meeting? I think it was done because in the earlier renditions of the film, I think that's what frustrated a lot of people as well, is you see all this stuff happening in the city, but people aren't just taking immediate response to it or people aren't taking immediate action. And I think that was kind of interwoven into the narrative to just kind of show you like, yes, we're we're aware of how things were in the past and this is how we have to evolve, no different than how, you know, Godzilla's evolving. That was kind of my take and my thought on it. But again, that's personal perspective. Yeah, like the those boardroom scenes are paced like that on purpose because while oh, you're clearly, looking at yeah. it as as a political drama, I more saw it as a political satire where again, the entire concept of Shin Godzilla is Ano's response to what he feels was the government's mishandling of the earthquakes and the ensuing Fukushima nuclear disaster. Yeah. How they were not able to respond quickly enough to actually render the aid they needed to. And that's 100% what we see here, where the meetings and so many people not wanting to take risks try to try and help because of their own status that they had in mind. And those boardroom scenes being so purposely boring shot, I, I think, again, for me, and just like Alicia said, as the viewer, you get that same frustration that the people have to be feeling. And... I feel that was countered with Yaguchi and the, the you know his B team, if you will, the way those scenes were shot, which a lot more handheld camera movement, very extreme close-ups, rapid dialogue, that you you get that sense of there's the pacing of like these people are getting things done or at least trying to get things done. Like from a pure cinematography standpoint, the film is very awkwardly paced, but it's intentional, and again, for me, I feel it lent well to the overall feeling of the movie. See, I, I sorry, Ali, just very, very briefly, where you say you you feel the frustration for me wasn't feeling the frustration; it was boredom. So that's where we have this difference of opinion, because. I should not be bored. In my opinion, again, I should not be bored while I'm watching a Godzilla movie. And so trying to make a point and using various cinematic tools and, and, and ways of filming scenes and things like that in order to convey frustration, sure. But I, I keep going back to the same thing that you, you, you should be considering, you know, how, how this is going to be perceived based on the type of film that you're making as well. It'd be like a, a modern action film that is paced way way freaking weird to make a political point you know about trump or whatever and it's like it 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 wouldn't fit necessarily if it if it came off as boring to the viewer who wanted an action film so while i can appreciate what they were trying to do and i'm certain it resonated a lot more with the people there as well as fans like yourself for people like myself again it, it did not come off as frustration it it quite literally was boredom. I, I do want to kind of jump on what Vince was saying. I do agree that it was very satirical. And I think the thing about Hideki Anno as a director, um, if you're not familiar with him, he's done a lot of other things, including the Evangelion series. He is the type of person, he is the type of director that tries to evoke different types of emotions. If you were to typically see an action movie, it's almost as if he wants you to feel more frustration and rage than kind of a, a thrill, so to speak. And that's just the way that Anno is as a director. And I think that kind of also kind of resonated within Shin Godzilla. He's not the type of director that's going to bring out the typical action drama emotions out of people. And that was something that we kind of went into it also knowing. If you know the history of Anno, if you know the history of his films, his anime, many of his different pieces, you know that he's just very off the cuff. He's He almost, it literally, he spills his own depression sometimes into his works. And I feel like Shin Godzilla was no exception for that. So where do you place it then when you think about all the Godzilla films that you've watched, Ali? I I respect Shin Godzilla as a film for kind of 
the way it makes you backtrack and look through the previous films, I have that appreciation for it. If you were to ask me if I love that Godzilla, I hate that Godzilla. I hate that rendition and that vision and that <laughs> visage of Godzilla. I, I hate it with every fiber of my being, but I can really respect and appreciate that it, it's kind of bringing us back to the roots to make us appreciate what we have now and what it's become. So okay, I, do, I do like it for that. But I'm talking about the film as a whole. If you're thinking about the film as a whole compared to all of the other ones that you film, I'm not asking you to rank it exactly, but are you talking upper third or middle of the lines kind of thing? Well, how do you feel about the film as a whole? It would probably be somewhere between the upper third and the middle. It's definitely okay. not at the bottom worst. It, I, that's kind of reserved for King Caesar. That's the bottom of the barrel right there. So just for one second, then we'll jump to Vince then. What would you say is your favorite then so far of all the Godzilla films, if you could pick one to recommend to people? I, personally, for myself, uh, anything with Mothra in it. But that's, again, a personal bias. But if, if I really had to go anywhere, I'd say Moth, uh, Godzilla versus Mothra is probably one of my favorites. I felt that it gave a good introduction into the Godzilla series. And the way they brought in supporting characters and kind of gave to respect and play and show time to each of them. I think that's one of the reasons I also enjoyed it so much. Okay, Vince, you were saying? I, I just it, wanted to follow up with uh, Alicia's point that, yeah, it, I, I think a lot of people's enjoyment of the movie also comes with being aware of the, uh, the previous works of the people involved. Like, yeah, Hideaki Anno is the guy who's most iconic work is an anime about giant robots. And instead of filling it with big action scenes, it was 26 episodes of childhood psychological trauma. So he, he definitely approaches things like he, he has the visual concept and uses those visual concepts to tell stories counter to what are expected. So I, I can perfectly understand that a lot of my personal enjoyment of the film is seeing the way he's twisting the formulas and using big budget monster movies to, to do different storytelling with them. Okay. And where would you place this then in your roster of, uh, of best to worst? I, it's among the top several. For really? Me. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the film. I, I actually like the design. Like, yeah, the googly eye young Godzilla at the beginning is goofy but i think once you get the the full monstrous twisted version of him at the end like it, he's not this isn't a godzilla who's going to become you know the the hero of japan the, the superhero version that he's become in the past like he's always going to be a monster twisted by science and i i personally agree like uh, like that like a lot of my favorite godzilla films are the ones where he's still the bad guy uh so and then i i i think a lot of my personal enjoyment for this as well is the fact that we actually had the opportunity to see this in the theater. Oh, okay. And those destruction scenes, like the, 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 that atomic breath scene, that night shot was so stunning in the theater on the big screen with the sound effects, like rewatching it at home did not give me the same feeling as watching it in the theater. That this is one of those movies that the theater experience was really, I feel, a big part of my enjoyment of it. Yeah, I will. I obviously watch it at home, but yeah. The one thing that I will say that I did like about the film was how they handled the the idea of being nuked again by the U.S. Um, I thought that that was very well portrayed because you got to see these people... Um, just how much it impacted them and just how much a part of culture that is in Japan, that it doesn't matter if you survived it, everyone has this same idea about that, the, the feeling about, you know, being nuked again. And so the, the manner in which that was presented and that fighting against the clock to be able to, to to do it i i enjoyed that i didn't think that it was believable um the rush with which the u.s and the rest of the u.n wanted to nuke uh versus you know let's just wait and see what else we can do and i get the whole yeah but it might make it over but 
there was still time to play with. And I felt that was very forced. Like all the U.S. actors were grown worthy, as well as that ambassador. <laughs> she was. Yeah, Kayako is <laughs> clearly the weak point of the movie. Uh, and not to take anything away from the actress, I felt she was very good in the scenes she was allowed to speak Japanese in. But this was a character who was supposed to be from America. Yeah, and they exactly. literally cast a person who didn't know English in the role. And it was very, very awkward for that reason. Yeah, very much. So anyways, so that was the one thing that I, again, I appreciated the, man, the way in which they handled that. It was, I thought that was, it was good. And, and what it did do is it, it created the tension that I felt was needed that had been lacking up until that point. That, that obstacle to really get their, their asses in gear and do something themselves so that they don't have to rely on the UN to bomb the fuck out of them. So so I did re- I, I did like that. So now, before we move on to King of the Monsters, Ali, you got any anything else you wanted to cover or talk about with Shin Godzilla? No, I think that was... I think we brought about a lot of the strongest points of the film, the low points of the film, all points of the Vince? I still love it. All right, fair enough. Let's move on then to the King of the Monsters. Ali, I'm thinking this was just... You absolutely adored this, I'm guessing. Because it was I, a big Mothra, and it was I, very pretty. I adored it for a myriad of reasons. Um, to, to kind of give some general idea, Mothra has kind of gone through different mutations and different mindsets and perspectives throughout the years. I think out of all the films she's been in, if I'm not mistaken, I think she's been in, she's appeared in about 20 Godzilla films, give or take a a few. But in the earlier films, definitely back in the 60s, she was created to be this very mystical, ethereal being that, you know, hailed off of Infant Island, where she was kind of hailed and revered as this this deity uh, species from the Shobinjin. and you see later on throughout the decades, it, it kind of changes her less as being this mystical kind of being and then kind of becoming this guardian of Earth. And I think you see that, I think, in a couple of the Yamato ones. But she kind of changes throughout the course of the Godzilla franchise. So to see her actually come back and be a hybrid of both of them, it was without a doubt one of the best feelings ever. And I, again, you hear the classic iconic music of, of Mothra's song. And when you hear that, just the first beginning of it, the, the only thing I could do was honestly cry because I loved it so much. And the director, whose name actually escapes me right now in Godzilla King of the Monsters, he was a diehard kaiju fan. So he made it a point to really pay tribute and homage to the traditional classic Mothra. And I think that was one of the greatest things I loved about it. Um, just to quickly put it in, it's Michael Doherty, Doherty, whatever. Thank you, Michael Doherty. And and he even, he was even on social media, you know, saying, you know, I, I purposely did things with a specific intent and, and this is why I went about it. Um, I don't, are, are we allowed to discuss spoilers? Of course. Okay. So, of it's course. It's a Godzilla movie. You're not giving away too much plot. <laughs> but I, I mean, when they go to China and they finally discover it and then, when you finally put two and two together and realize that the uh, researcher that is handling, you know, both on the ship as well as in China, and you realize that they're twins and they explain the generational, you know, we had this long running, you know, hereditary line of twins. And you realize that that's the show vision. You just can't help but be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I fangirled, I completely fangirled right then and there. So I, I love that. I, I want to give huge props to the mocap actors. TJ Storm as Godzilla was fucking phenomenal. And a lot of mocap actors don't get enough love and credit in this world. And I think he did a really good job at making Godzilla look real to life. And that was something that I could really appreciate about the movie. Um, the ongoing debate between my mother and myself is who's better, Godzilla versus Mothra. But I like to go back to the argument that every time Godzilla fucking dies, Mothra's got to come back and save his ass by sacrificing herself. And she did it again in this movie. And it, as much as I hate that she has to do it every single time, I, it's it's just tradition at this point. So I really love the movie. Vince? How do I follow that? Okay, let me ask you this then, and you can transition into it. 
when you are looking at a Western influence, well, not influence, made film of a Japanese franchise that is clearly going to change a hell of a lot about it, when you went in to watch this, and well, as you were watching it, did you feel that it was, you know, a, a, a Western director trying to do something that was emulating it or paying homage? Or were you locked in and it was like, no, this is a Godzilla movie and it rocks? Of the three Western attempts, this is the first one I've actually enjoyed. Uh, the 98 one was such a disaster for many reasons. Uh, mainly and firstly because they just didn't know what people wanted from a Godzilla movie. They made a Roland Emmerich disaster film that happened to have a weird-looking dinosaur in it. Um, <clears throat> the 2014 version, uh, the Gareth Edwards one, I still don't like Gareth Edwards as a filmmaker. I feel... He has a phenomenal eye. Like, there are very many shots in that 2014 movie that are breathtaking. The, the actual scale of the film is top-notch, but everything in that movie where there's not a giant monster on the screen is me wanting to tear my eyeballs out because the actors are terrible, the plot is thin, but I'm, I'm not typically looking for plot in Godzilla films, but... At least keep me entertained during the points where the monsters aren't on the screen, and that failed largely in that regard, which I chalk up a lot to Gareth Edwards because that's kind of been his thing in every movie he's made. None of the actors on the screen ever feel real or like they're interacting in a meaningful way other than reading lines at each other. So I really didn't enjoy most of that film. While I would not, by any stretch of the imagination, call King of the Monsters a good movie... I was thoroughly entertained throughout it. It was very fun, and I could see from beginning to end the amount of care and love for those classic movies that was put into it by the filmmakers. Not just Michael Doherty, but uh, Barry McCreary. His music was astounding beginning to end as with a lot of his modern uh, takes on the classic themes. I will say that this one obviously kept me entertained more than the other one. It was um, it it was not without fault, <laughs> but I went into this expecting a Godzilla movie, and so I really I wasn't if, pausing if you to think. Into a movie looking for monsters beating the shit out of each other, you got it. Yeah, yeah. It it was funny because researching afterwards to prep for this the the page of mistakes is so long that they have to classify it by types of mistakes like geographical technological science like it's just there's a lot of issues with the film in terms of the lack of intelligence that went into designing and writing a lot of it but in terms of just a brainless spectacle there were elements of it that I did enjoy. I, I, I had a hard time with, um, with this trope of the Liberation Army or whatever you want to call them, that wants to try to save the world by doing a horrific thing. We've seen this many, many times over and over again. And as shit gets worse and worse on our planet, we're going to see a lot more of it, I believe. However. I don't feel it was set up enough with the 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 main characters, especially the mother, obviously, that that it was that it was believable, that it was, you know, it, it you you knew that that quote unquote reveal, surprise reveal was gonna come up that it was all her plan at some point. That that because they were so they were handling the trope so heavy-handedly that you knew that's what was going to be coming up. And I just felt throughout that it was not believable in that way because, again, the the woman, I'm going to have to find her name now, uh, Vera Farmiga. Uh, Vera Farmiga, yeah. yeah. So because of what you see at the beginning as, as well, like when she's letting her daughter try to touch a fucking kaiju, you know, and then the other stuff... It goes well beyond bad parenting at that point. It's it's truly unbelievable. Take your daughter to work day. Yeah, it, it just does not fit. <laughs> had she been uh, or had appearances of being more crazy early on, then, yeah, that would be believable. 
But because they probably thought that would be tipping their hand too much, which their hand was tipped the fuck over already, so it wouldn't have mattered. It, I feel it would have been a lot better. So when you're getting various st- scenes, it just doesn't fit. Like, again, when the when they're on that bridge and the father is begging the daughter to come and she is like, no, and she turns to stay with the mother. I understand, yes, he was an alcoholic and, and, and he left them, but it, it still wasn't believable, which is saying a lot when you've got a film with fucking kaiju. But I'm willing to put my brain on hold for that so long as the interpersonal relationships and those character arcs make sense. And, I and largely, I felt they didn't. I, I honestly think that they attempted to set her up as to being emotionally and mentally unstable in the earlier scenes of the movie where they're showing the flashbacks of the children and, and, you know, her losing her son and whatnot. I think it just fell flat. I think the attempts were made. They just were not executed properly and you didn't get that end result. But I do agree with you. On- I would think that it probably... If anything, it might have been edited. They might have edited too much of that out if, in fact, they did film more. Because even what they showed, I I, I, I don't want to say, you know, as a parent, but it really is. Like, as a parent, you're looking at this going, that makes no fucking sense. And I get that there are parents that are horrible people, but they don't present her as such early on. So they didn't follow their own rules. And that's kind of what I had an issue with. Yeah, like, there's that early scene where... Uh the daughter is emailing dad like yeah. he's worried about mom and like i don't know if it like the script needed another pass or like you said a lot of it was edited out and that hollywood focus group have to keep the story is a big budget yeah. movie we have to keep it for the lowest common denominator possible i i don't know where it went wrong but there are all, several points throughout this movie where they almost did something good <laughs> like the whole plot with the mother was just and the father, like all that was half cliched, half poorly executed. There's an attempt to make a larger story parallel with the kaiju and climate change, where you see Ghidorah represented by hurricanes and stuff, when the entire concept of the film is learning to live in harmony with the kaiju, i.e. we need to live better with the planet. Like There's a ham-fisted attempt at that that falls flat. Like I think... I feel the movie was trying to do too much and it didn't succeed in really any one direction other than spectacle. I, I'm a little upset that they made Rodan Mexican because now I feel that all Mexicans are Rodan and that we're traitorous. Can I just take a moment to reflect on how I feel as a Hispanic American and how that pissed me off just a smidge? Okay. Go for it. You can bitch <laughs> that, more that, if that you is- want to though. <laughs> That just that was the one that was one thing that this movie also pissed me off about. I'm like, why does Rodan have to be Mexican? Why did okay, I well, hold, hold like they were trying to make Mexicans were traitors? And okay, so was Rodan. Back up, back up, and for the person that doesn't know, and for all the listeners that don't, is Rodan normally a good kaiju? No, Rodan normally isn't a good guy. There's moments. Uh, was it in Giant Monsters All Out Attack where he was allied with Mothra? Or against King Ghidorah, I can't... It, it's one of the, the classic Godzilla tropes where all of the creatures at one point were presented as villains, but because they were popular characters over the years, they morphed into those heroic versions of themselves. So I think outside of his original solo appearance, Rodan has typically been presented as uh, an air quotes good guy. Yeah, oh, okay. But- no, they're not in this one. They they made him traitorous, and then I felt like they were closely rooting him to Mexico, and it made me feel bad because of my Mexican heritage, and it made me feel like I'm like Rodan, and that that pissed me off. And I openly said that. Let me ask you this, and in it's in no way am I trying to belittle that at all, at all, at all. But is that something that has been common amongst the Latino community that saw this, that they all feel the same? Or you just kind of, you feel this way? I don't think many Latinos have watched. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna be I, I didn't know if this was a thing that I missed kind of thing. I, I'm pretty much the silent majority on that one. I'm sure there are other uh, Latin nerds that did watch this movie. I don't know if they actually felt that way. But it, it definitely felt... Um, 
I definitely did feel that the kaiju in this film, and you can even see it with the ones that didn't appear, but you saw brief glimpses of them. They seem to have their own representative area, region. Again, yeah, yeah. because this was all based on climate control. But, but they were all change. bad. With the exception of Godzilla, for to a certain degree, and, and Mothra, for uh, from what I took from the film, they were all evil. So seeing yeah. an evil one in Mexico, I didn't see it as a slight towards Mexican people. Just, hey, you guys get to get a kaiju. Japan, you get this one. You know, all these different countries. Here, you get this one, this one. They're all going to be bad, but that, with the exception of Mothra and Godzilla. That's, that's how I perceived it. I mean, they could have made a chupacabra kaiju, and I could have been like, yeah, I get it now. But I, I, I think that was just something that personally for myself, I was just like, you know, I don't. I feel about this. Why is there going to be coming out of volcanic rock in Mexico? Let's talk about that for a second. Well, if nothing else, that's an interesting take on it for sure. So then when we are looking at the breadth of kaiju that were in the film, we didn't get, there were that many, I felt. It, it, it didn't get out of control, which is what I was a little worried about. When you start seeing all those pings on the map, you're going, oh, fuck, this is going to be like a... Amazing Spider-Man 3 with <laughs> trying to handle all the Sinister Six kind of thing. There's just going to be too much shit going on on the screen at the same time, but it, it didn't feel that way. However, I will say that, I, again, I get what they were trying to do, but this whole alpha male or alpha mentality with the king where he can instantly affect all of the kaiju around the planet was... Is a little much, and and that's saying a lot after everything else that I was willing to just accept. It was just, it was like, okay, you're you're really really fucking pushing this now, and I don't know if this is a trope that they've done across multiple Godzillas or if they just kind of threw that into this one. That's actually nope. Yeah, large large scale mind control of the creatures has definitely been frequent throughout the years because a lot of it is hey we want to see you know rodan fight godzilla again but we've established them as friends so mind control so i think they took that concept of weird alien race invading earth and mind controlling the monsters against it to a different extreme of Ghidorah being the weird alien monster and it, that pseudo biological science of oh he's the alpha so everybody follows him and sound waves and it's one of the many things in the movie that was just like this needed a few more minutes in the oven <laughs> but i think they did they've done that though in previous films like i think i, I can understand from a, a fresh set of eyes you know making godzilla kind of the alpha kaiju of sorts you know why would you put him on that pedestal like that that's something that has been done in previous godzilla films that's not anything that's new or surprising to, to those that have watched the movies and I personally didn't mind because it kind of reminded me of the ones that I haven't seen in a long time. I haven't seen Abira. I haven't seen Ungorious. I haven't seen, uh, God, what was the other one? What was the spider one? Kumanga. Uh, Kumanga. So, I mean, they, I think they, they kind of did it that way. And I was okay with it. I also think they're kind of trying to set that up because they're doing the 2020 Godzilla versus King Kong. Like, I think it, it was done that way as to kind of, you know, set the set the story and set the environment for what we're going to see in Godzilla versus King Kong which i think is kind of what everybody's kind of resting their laurels in and hoping for the best of. it it's it's the iron man 2 paradox of how much of this movie was sacrificed in the in the pursuit of setting up a larger franchise exactly are they really banking that much on on Godzilla oh, versus Kong oh yes yeah. really how so i, I feel like Vince, I feel like you would be able to best explain the ongoing history of Godzilla versus King Kong to under to make the to make Roger understand how it is and how it's supposed to translate into Western films today. I mean, the the TLDR version is back in the '60s. Uh, really, the movie that made Godzilla the box office icon he is was King Kong versus Godzilla, where Toho had actually acquired the rights to make a King Kong movie. And so they did it <laughs> and, and they were trying to come up with a way to like really beef up its, its impact. It was like, Hey, well, what about that Godzilla guy? <laughs> and that, that, that was essentially what 
jump-started the entire Godzilla franchise as a whole. So there's a lot of stuff going on with the Western studios and the fact that Legendary owns the rights to Godzilla, but Warner Brothers owns the rights to King Kong. Legendary is technically owned by Universal Studios. Like They went through a lot of red tape to essentially make these two the American licensed versions of these film franchises into the same cinematic universe, if you will. So they, they are banking heavily on this largely because legendary's contract with Toho runs out next year. So in addition to wanting that big box office spectacle and putting millions of butts into seats, I I think that they're also kind of counting on it to, essentially make the IP worth it to them, uh, get a return on it, and possibly, hopefully, you know, renewing a contract for it later. And to give some statistics on it as well, when this, when the original King Kong versus Godzilla came out in 1962, it was the highest uh, grossing film in Japan at the time. In Toho standards, it's actually the second biggest moneymaker. I don't know what the first one is. So they, they kind of have all their hopes resting on this next one. Okay, I actually did not know that. Like, I when I saw the stuff at the end, it was one of those. Oh, okay, well, there'll be another one coming out there for me. Yeah, I mean, unless we cover it on the show, I might not even watch it. I, again, I I enjoyed some of the performances. Of course, I love Millie Bobby Brown. So even though she wasn't on that that much, she didn't have that many lines per se. It was still fun to see her on the show. I liked the other two a eh, little bit. The parents. The Ken Watanabe, I got to say, I'm sorry, but they didn't give him the best lines. Oh, my God. Some of those lines were horrible. So every time he had something to say or tried to be dramatic, all I felt was just a groan coming up in my throat. So it, it wasn't as thrilling. Like, hey, we need somebody to say something serious. Quick, zoom in on Ken. Yeah. Eh, yeah. We need somebody to pretend like this is real. Yeah. He works hardest on learning English. I really respected that he really tried to get better at English for these movies. Yeah, that, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I had the problem with the lines they gave him. I was like, oh, God, people. But, I mean... Yeah. I mean, hey, when was the last time you saw Zhang Ziyi in a movie? Right? Yeah. So, so, again, I don't have much more on this one. What about you, Allie? Again, I, I appreciate for what it, it was worth. Uh, again, I didn't go into it expecting it to be like the be all end all because I just I don't believe that a Western filmmaking company can give the Toho touch to it. But I appreciated what elements they took. And I really appreciated that Doherty is a lifelong Kaiju fan. And he really kind of planted lots of different Easter eggs in there. I was a little surprised, though, by the other type of Kaiju they were trying to include in there, like Quetzalcoatl, and I forget a couple of the other ones. I'm like, that's not even a Kaiju. That's just lore and myth. I'm like, you kind of need to differentiate between the two. I don't really want to see those lines. You said you wanted a Chupacabra. (laughs) That's not a Kaiju. That's because because I didn't want to be Rodan. Like, if they put... (laughs) Yeah, but you you just broke your own goddamn rule. (laughs) I, I... it's just it was it was seeing mythological creatures melding into the world of of kaiju there's there needs to be that like separation of church and state for me i understand it i get it i just was like eh, you don't need to do that don't put in a quetzalcoatl don't put in uh don't don't do any of that stuff don't put in a leviathan or anything like that but aside from that it was great I mean personally i'm the exact opposite on that front i feel if you're trying to create this larger world where these things have existed for millennia tying it into ancient myth actually is a way that allows it to make sense and god not a lot of this movie made sense (laughs) but i think that's one of the few things that they succeeded on (laughs) as for the film itself i i would absolutely watch it again because it's a very enjoyable spectacle it's it's fan service the movie it's it's the same reason i would watch endgame again Endgame, not a great movie. Plot didn't make a lot of sense. But for fans of the franchise, it gave enough fan service that you still had that warm feeling in your heart at points. And it's the same thing here. Not a good movie, uh, but for fans of the franchise, there was enough here for me to enjoy that I I would watch it again. I I thought it 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 was okay. 
Okay, listen. It was enjoyable, but okay. If you're going to make an endgame analogy, I have to ask, are you implying that King of Monsters is to Godzilla fans with what Endgame was to Marvel Cinematic Universe fans? No, because it's not the culmination of years of storytelling. It's more taking an homage to the past where like it's drawing upon those years and decades of previous storytelling to instill certain emotions in the viewer, but not in the same way that Marvel did with closing up the Avengers franchise. Okay, so closing thoughts, Vince. I I was impressed. I, I, I despite its flaws, I, I really enjoyed the movie. And well, for both of them. Okay, for for both of them, I I I actually really like how much of a contrast these two films are. You have one that's very serious and more interested in the story it's telling and what that story means than in the spectacle that's accompanying it, and you have the exact opposite. I feel in a movie that's so interested in the spectacle that it's casting a lot of the smaller elements to the wayside and they both succeed for me for very different reasons. And I actually like that. Allie. I think Shin Godzilla, I think uh, to kind of follow on what Vince was saying, I do like that it kind of makes subgenres of the Toho films. Like I, I like the political drama aspect of Shin Godzilla. It made me appreciate it. I also I, again, I thought it was a great fan service movie having Godzilla King of the Monsters. It kind of reopened my palette to trying new things because I, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack was painful to me. Physically painful. That is my favorite Godzilla movie. Stop talking trash. <laughs> I can't. I physically can't. So I feel like that was kind of a, a redemption of sorts <laughs> and, and it did it gave me it gave me all the nostalgic feels that I, I really appreciated because they gave me all the things that I loved and really appreciated as a child so I, I think it's a good movie I would definitely watch it again I plan on owning it for sure so it should be good and that is going to be it we'll call it a wrap at that thank you very much for joining us you can find the show notes at fourth. damn it you can find the show. Sure. No, no, no don't shut up. Com. I will mute your ass. I am not Marty. Shut up. <laughs> you can find the show notes at popcornronin.com. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. How about now? I could hear you before you know. I miss these times. I really do. Allie. Sound check, sound check. One, two, three. Allie. Damn it, did you really mute yourself? It's fucking auto-muting me for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, no, I heard that, too. I was just still pulling your leg. Okay, before the record, I can't hear her. I mean, I can hear her because she's in the same room, so we can record. I'm quite certain you can hear her. (laughs) But just just for technological sake, I cannot hear her through.